What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. Hey, good to join you and everybody else. Colin Stevens is here. Hello, everybody. And Nick Lamone is joining us again. Hey, thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back. Uh, and we've got a great show for you this week. We're going to talk about what's next for the LEGO games now that LEGO Skywalker Saga is out and no new LEGO game has been announced. We've got an email suggesting maybe it's time to rethink how we approach best of lists. Does it make sense to have to pit Red Dead Redemption 2 against Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge on a best of list? But first, speaking of TMNT Shredder's Revenge, that has been out for a week now. Has everyone played it? Everyone? Yeah, everyone? Yeah. No, because I, I have been wait, I've been trying to uh, uh, convince my wife to play it with me because she likes Ninja Turtles and was into it. But then I had to figure out a controller situation. Didn't that once that got <laughs> sorted, I just haven't had a chance yet. I don't want to play alone, basically. I, I did play alone. I finished it. I played through the whole thing as April. Yeah, worth mm, playing I alone. I mean, I could try yeah. it, but I, I do definitely want to try co-op. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's I, I still had fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Colin, Nick, how'd you guys play? Uh, I, I also played alone. I, I probably would have tried to get someone to play with me, but I was really on the fence about playing in the first place. And then uh, Damon uh, damned me yesterday asking if I would be on the show and said that was one of the topics. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I could beat this in like 24 hours. Yeah, and I yes, looked it up yes. and it's like a two and a half hour on uh, how long to beat. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. So I downloaded it. <laughs> I downloaded I it and played through all 16 episodes uh, in the last day. Yep. <laughs> it, yeah. It's it's really good. I think uh, yeah. I first was exposed to it. It was kind of on my radar. Like, like oh, well, that's a thing I will check out at some point. And then for Summer of Gaming, everyone that was at the IGN LA office and Mitchell walked up to Mitchell Saltzman at IGN, does a bunch of reviews <laughs> for us, wonderful human being. He goes, Nick. Do you want to play co-op Shredder's Revenge <laughs> with me and three other people or two other people? And I stood up and said, "Absolutely, yes, I will." Ran over, and we just—they were in the middle of a session already, and I just turned a controller on, jumped in, and Aww. had a blast with the level. And then, of course, I got home and then just downloaded it and then played solo dolo. Had a terrific time. It's so <laughs> much fun. Also, banger of a soundtrack. Oh, so, so good. good. It's a good soundtrack. Uh, Are a couple of the Wu Tang members on there? Yeah, yeah they got Ra- Raekwon and Ghostface Killer. Yeah, and so, so that that shows up during like the final boss fight, uh, and then Mike Patton of Faith No More sang the theme song at the mm-hmm. start of the game. That's, cool. that's who that was. Yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I'd be interesting to see. To I'd be interested to hear what Sam thinks because uh, I do yeah, think I, I should have crammed it the night before in solo. I now I regret doing that, but I'll I'll definitely play it in some format before next week then. Well, I do think you're gonna you're probably have the same criticisms that you've expressed before about brawlers. Yeah. It's in mm-hmm. it's pretty straightforward. And in fact, I think there are other recent brawlers like Streets of Rage Four that have a, mm-hmm. a deeper like combo system. Yeah, yeah. I, I played through the whole thing in a few hours. I died a few times, but like I never had to like start over or go back to a checkpoint or anything. And so you you can just pretty much you can pretty much just sort of button mash your way through the whole thing. Does That's it have like a, a fake lives and continue situation where when you do run out of life, you have to be like insert quarter? Well, I never ran out of lives, so I don't know. Oh, really? I, oh, he's a pro on. gamer, Sam. How dare yeah, you? <laughs> I'm so not, you I'm hit not... the A and the B button at the same time to do that special mm-hmm. move a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you do unlock, you know, you unlock additional moves as you go along. But I found with April, at least there was like one uh, special move that was like more powerful than anything else. So I would just like save those up. And when I get swarmed by enemies i could just use that and that would pretty much clear the battlefield okay but great great pixel art I th- you know like we've talked about before it's worth playing through just to like see the sights of the game right do you do you actually like it more than i i personally like it more than streets of rage 4 which i believe the same team worked on um i, I think that the pixel art is beautiful and i think that's one of the big uh bonuses it has and i think the game feels better in Streets of Rage 4, I think there's something to be said about the, you know, you're mashing one button a lot, and every single impact you make with that one button feels good. It feels, feels good. Yeah, And that's the thing that really set it apart from Streets of Rage for me, where I feel like Streets of Rage felt a little floaty with its combat, but maybe that's just mm-hmm. me. And and it's the same publisher, .emu, but not the same developer. Tribute mm-hmm. Games did TMNT, the name of, uh, the developer of Streets of Rage 4 escapes me at the moment, but same publisher. I think I may like. I think I might like Streets of Rage Four a little bit more, just because 
as I said, the combo system is a little bit deeper there. Um, but I, I had a blast playing through. I, I have a random question to ask yeah. everyone here because yeah, yeah, we yeah. ran a poll on site that was who's your favorite Ninja Turtle and it's the closest poll I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life on the site. Yeah. It's basically 25% for each turtle. Yeah. Does everyone here have a favorite turtle? Oh, I don't know the difference, but I, I do know that, <laughs> the, that Donatello is always the best in video games and I've always played like you, know, you say Donatello and yes for last right and and for the arcade game he has the longest reach with his bow yeah mm. michelangelo is the coolest think so <laughs> he's a party guy he is a party guy <laughs> he is a party i'm a leonardo guy because he's the leader and i'm just like a sucker for that all right that just leaves one for damon Katanas. but that's okay i've always liked Raphael. There you go. See? Yeah. It's literally, it's always even split. It's crazy. <laughs> well, I have to know who likes pizza the most. Is there like one, like one that like just pizza a lot? Because I would relate to that turtle. Probably Mikey, right? Yeah. I, I, he, I, Sam, you yeah. got strong Michelangelo energy. Okay. okay. I feel <laughs> good to know. But I like the practicality of that reach in that NES game. It's, it's, that game's impossible with any other turtle. Well, and he statistically has the best reach of any other turtles in this game. Yeah, uh, really? So, yeah, it gives you little star meters for like a few different attributes and his is, he has the best reach. So, mm, okay. There you go. I actually had leftover preschool birthday party cheese pizza for lunch today. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, any pizza is good pizza. Um, anyway, that's TMNT Shores Revenge. It's out now. I recommend it. It's a good time. I, of course, I only played it by myself. It probably is more fun. I don't know. It, it might be more fun having actual people play it with you. If there's like a challenge, that's hard to say though, because like it's kind of fun yeah. to like you know overcome a brawler with a friend when you have a limited amount of quarters. Like that was the sure. fun of The Simpsons, right? Like try I, try I to think, actually see the see the end of it. But yeah, I think if you play with six people, it might not actually be as fun as it should be. But I think four, <laughs> I think four is the sweet yeah. spot. Yeah, because there's a lot of sense. cool combos you can do with co-op partners that's where true. you can you can jump and a co-op partner can like kick you and you turn yeah. into like a cannonball that smashes through. It's really yeah. fun. That's really neat. And I think with six people, it just becomes pure chaos. You can't it's even tell chaos. what's happening on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, I did. If we're going to do any semblance of what we've been playing, I can save it. But I played another arcade game on Game Pass this week. You should tell us now. Okay, well, I played Pac-Man Museum Plus. It's on Game Pass. Oh, so I checked uh, this out too. Yeah, it is, a, it is a rough shell that forces you a, to unlock <laughs> games by playing yeah. games you don't want to play. And oh. then it's kind of this ugly like 3D Pac-Man walking around thing. Yeah. But uh, what's significant about it is that not only does it have like, well, does it, I mean, or, or, let me start with the negatives. There's that, and then it doesn't have Miss Pac-Man because Namco doesn't believe Miss Pac-Man exists because Midway designed that, in a, you know, mm -hmm. from hackers in America, so forth, so forth. So that's kind of weird. But it has a lot of Pac-Man games in it that you might not expect, which are always funny for me. Like I like playing the arcade version of Pac-Land is like bizarre. It's it's a Super Mario Brothers like Pac-Man mm -hmm. game where you just it's well, it's more like Adventure Island, the very first one I think, or um, where you just kind of walk to the right and it's like this kind of funny looking like. PC King's Quest graphics. It's just bizarre. You got, you got to see it. But there are good games in there. And then there's surprising games like Pac-Man um, Championship Edition is in there. And then most surprising mm -hmm. of all is Pac-Man Versus. If you walk into like, you know, a contemporary bar arcade, this game is only what, like five or six years old. It's a four player Pac-Man game. Um, you can play it. Uh, it it's, you know, it's as a Pac-Man maze. You can kind of like, when you're playing with four people, you can like eat each other. And it's like, it's the last pack standing type of thing. Like, it's just it's just weird that that's in the that's in this collection because like I never thought that'd be a home game like it's a you know it's a game that you pay tens of like a ten thousand dollars for to buy in the arcade or, or put a dollar into each time right so it's just kind of surprising that it's a, it's in a home game and then there's other games in it that I recommend like Pac Mania and stuff just weird Pac Man games I don't know it's it's in Game Pass if you have Game Pass and you just want to like explore weird Pac Man games it's there is the is the point and click adventure one there. The one where you're from like Super Nintendo for Pac-Man? Yeah, the Super Nintendo one. I think that's well, Pac-Man 2. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's in there. <laughs> yeah, we we played that in the office sometime in the past, yeah. you know, right before a shutdown. I remember we, we had played that. I had no idea that, that was a point click. But they, they have another. I don't know if that's in there because they do have another uh, Pac-Man for Super Nintendo in there, which probably came out just Pac-In-Time. Pack and time. Yeah. That's exactly it. And that one's like bad. a Donkey Kong Country knockoff. It's like it's oh, it's yeah. a jankily pre-rendered 
round boy Pac-Man. It's very Whoa. funny. And I cannot get, I mean, I could have spent probably 10 more minutes doing this, but I spent 10 minutes trying to get through a, a log with a crack in it that I couldn't figure out how to get through the first level. And I was like, okay, got enough of pack in time Back to other things. Right. Yeah. I was excited for that Pac-Man collection, but uh, disappointed after with the way it's put together and how you have to unlock games. And it's like, they want you to earn coins to buy stuff to decorate the arcade with and like yeah. that's just not what that's sometimes, not what i was looking sometimes for. a ghost comes into the arcade did you see that yeah. um there's a uh there's also a couple of like i think playstation one era games maybe a little bit later called pack and roll which are monkey ball clones <laughs> it's which, insane well except that that would probably predate monkey ball yeah, maybe they could PS1. be PS2 era. It's really hard to tell because they're really simplistic graphics-wise, and I spent <clears throat> obviously zero time researching these games uh, before this show. But I just wanted to say that that's out there, and there's not really, you know, like the fact that there's like a collection in Game Pass is just kind of like a cool thing. And uh, want to check it out. I think Pack and Roll is actually a DS game, which is kind of interesting because I don't think I've well, that makes seen sense because of- it's hard to play with a controller. <laughs> <laughs> you I don't bet, see a lot of DS games get ported. I, I bet you stylus use the stylus for it originally. Well, that actually, yeah, m- maybe it was an arcade game too. I don't know. Hmm. If they put that in there, why didn't they put in Pack Picks, the the DS launch game? Yeah, the that is game? weird. Anyway, let's talk Lego games. We have an email from who is our faithful scoop follower, Christopher Smith in County Durham, UK. This first off, I just want to say I absolutely love the podcast. I've been listening to you since the start of the pandemic, March 2020. I like, well, believe it or not, Christopher Smith, we used to be together in a studio every <laughs> single episode. I look forward to a new episode every week and think you all do an amazing job. I was really saddened to hear of Tina leaving the Scoop crew, but hope she will return for the odd episode every now and then. It would be odd if Tina returned. <laughs> I have a question for you all. I am, I am 80% through getting a platinum trophy on Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga and finding the game utterly adorable and addictive so far. With no news on the horizon for the next Lego game, what franchise would you all like to see transformed into a Lego game? For me, this is Christopher Smith of County Durham talking. For me, it would have to be a James Bond Lego game. With levels from all 25 movies, you can even have multiplayer uh, to uh, play on Nostalgia from GoldenEye 64, playing as any of the characters from the series. Imagine playing as Mayday, Blofeld, or Jaws. The series is ripe for everything Lego love to do with games. Yeah, I could see a, a Lego James Bond. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting that this era of like ultra popular Lego, you know, is in terms of like you know the analog brick sets are like probably more popular than they've ever been with adults yeah. and kids and everything. And there's so much revolutionary, like cool stuff happening and giant sets and like, it's really neat. But like the games just died. They just stopped. Like there, there must be on like a few year delay. There must be things coming, right? It just seems really strange. Well, so Lego, the Skywalker saga was like he- very, very delayed, like by a yeah. year or more, right? Yeah. And it's also, you know, been reports of uh, trouble behind the scenes on development that game too. Yep. But the game is great. I've also been playing oh, yeah. that game and it's really fun. It's also gorgeous. Like it just looks incredible for like being, you know, like a, a platformer esque style thing. I think they've added a lot of comple- uh, complexity from the early days of like Lego Indiana Jones to now where there's like a pretty comprehensive combo system, so many more characters and all that stuff. It, it's yeah. great. Uh, but going back to Bond, like I think the earlier movies might actually be better for Lego, better suited for Lego just by because of how by virtue of how like bonkers some of the earlier Bond movies get as opposed to the Craig era where it's a lot more serious and a lot yeah. of people standing in very elegant rooms. And I don't know that that would particularly read well in Lego form, but, you know, in, in uh, Thunderball and all that stuff, like I think that works very well for Lego. Yeah, probably even the Roger Moore era, which is like that's mm-hmm. like the Bond that I grew up watching in the 80s, like. Those mm-hmm. movies get pretty silly. That's when he's like pitfall stepping on alligator heads across the swamp, right? <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's a video game right there. Yep. Um, I'm going to go say that a property that Lego should do next, and I've probably said this before, is Godzilla. 
Godzilla is all about smashing things. That's what mm-hmm. the Lego games are all about, smashing things. Uh, and I want to see a Lego game on the scale of Godzilla where you're, you're smashing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. buildings made out of Legos. And you have yeah. a bunch the of part- The particle physics as. can handle that now, right? Like, that would I actually mean, yeah. work really cool. That could actually be a really cool showcase for uh, next-gen consoles. Mm-hmm. That's the right answer. You just you nailed it. I think that's the one. <laughs> but you also put your. You put, I think put a, a little bit of a, a separate point that you kind of ancillarily made there is that that's a different type of game than a Lego game, right? Some some, some types of Lego like smash and stuff and being in a city and stuff just doesn't. That's not exactly what Lego games have been. They've been kind of walk through a scene, right? And they're fun. Yeah. And I get why people like them. So I'm not here to like bash Lego games. I I. I similarly to brawlers i just think there's not much that they offer me but uh they uh but they're they need to branch out so there was like the um lego city undercover game right which is like a gta type game um you know any any before i even apply a genre i want to like also get like some cool gameplay out of it so i think that's a really good example that are like you know like a burnout game where you're like it's about destruction. It's about building things, then knocking them down. Right. Like that, that type of stuff is like really appealing. And I think would be good for Lego. Now, of course, in terms of uh, franchises mar- married with Lego, like I actually think Nintendo has a bunch that are really cool. And I think like the, uh, you know, the Mario match with Lego stuff is really neat. And then I think like a Zelda Lego game would be hilarious. Like that would be so cool. As long <laughs> as it was a Zelda game made out of Lego, that would be the coolest thing ever. Right. Cause I like love that 3D. aesthetic. Like the 3D dot heroes type thing. Exactly. It's like yeah, the yeah, top yeah, down. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. 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 It's a good call. So I did not have an answer to this question. And then I was getting McDonald's for lunch because I'm a garbage person. Lego McDonald's? And well, no, no, no. Well, well, maybe. Um, but there was a car stopped in front of me at the light, and they had taken all of the like Jeep Cherokee like lettering at the back of their car, removed it, and replaced it with Nostromo. And then I slowly realized that everything on the back of their car was like alien related. Cool. Uh, and I think alien would be a lot of fun as Lego because normally you have to take it really seriously, you know, mm-hmm. just like tonally for a video game. But Lego would just throw that out the window and you could just have fun being hunted by a giant uh, necromorph. <laughs> Or Xenomorphs. Well, especially if you went like the aliens route with swarms mm-hmm. of aliens that, yeah. just, that you can just smash and they fall apart as bricks. Yeah, then that'd be super fun. You could also get the like platforming exploration part where you're exploring what uh, some sort of space station or whatever, and mm-hmm. then there's the that those are like punctuated with moments of big alien swarms that you can smash apart. Yeah, I can see that. Let's green light. Let's green light Lego aliens. I can already <laughs> see the adapted for Lego chest burster scene where there's like a baby xenomorph that's yeah. like wah wah, and it like runs away. Like he's, it, it, it writes. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah, this genius work, Colin. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to go the lazy route because I think Colin kind of took my answer to some extent of I want to do instead of like a franchise, I want classic 80s and 90s like action uh, sci-fi epics like I would love a a Lego Terminator. I would love I watched Eraser the other day for some reason. I want to see Lego Eraser. (laughs) Like we mentioned jumping on top of crocodiles or alligators. Like they do that in that movie. So come on, let's get these (laughs) iconic action movies, Lego them, and then just have a good time. I don't think that, I don't know. I don't think they've done any R rated properties into Lego games yet. Yet. What's Jurassic Park rated? Oh, PG-13, yeah. Barely then, huh? Because there's some, yeah. some gnarly stuff. Oh, yeah, it's in that skirting series. that line. Yeah. I don't know. I've only ever seen the first Jurassic Park. I do. Yeah. That's Remember really how nice. the dinosaurs eat people in that? Yeah, it's, it's like bloodless eating of people, you know. It's very I don't think so. <laughs> there's somebody's arm that's hanging on a on a machine at one point. Oh, isn't that Sam Jackson's arm? I believe so, yeah. Spoilers, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sam's on to something though with his idea that the Lego um, Lego as like a video game property it does need to branch out. I think that there it needs to be more than a platformer. I think, and I think that's what we started to get with um, Skywalker Saga. So to um, like Damon's Godzilla pitch, I think a kaiju like fighting yeah. game in the vein of like destroy all monsters. Yeah, like that'd be badass. Mm. I think that works. Like I think mm. if you Lego fi that, that would rule. I mean, a Lego first-person shooter kind of makes sense to some extent, where you're maybe you're shooting like bricks off of an opponent. Um, you know, like a Lego uh, mecha game would be cool, where you build your own mech and you mm-hmm. fight them. 
I mean, it, it all works. I think as once they start thinking outside the box of what's traditionally been Lego, I think that's when we start to see some very cool things. It's funny to think how, you know, they do interpret serious stories with these Lego games and make make light of them. And it's very funny. I propose Final Fantasy seven just for you, Nick. <laughs> Le- Lego <laughs> Final Fantasy seven Lego remake. I see the death scene, the iconic death yep. scene already happening in yep. Lego form. You know, yep. Steph Ross' hair falls off or something. Yeah. I don't that know, game man. takes oh. itself just seriously enough, but has jokes already that it would be perfect for that. Then we'll need a Lego Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. You know? Yes. Yeah. Lego Crisis Core, Lego Ever Crisis. And come on, if they made the Lego Final Fantasy sets, that would be incredible. Oh, that would be awesome. And then Lego Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, the the epic follow-up movie two years later. I've never <laughs> seen that. Have you seen it recently? I, I own the 4K Blu-ray. Yeah, I figured. Oh, okay. uh, what do you think? Does it, it hold up? It's a bad it, it was a bad movie then, but I mm-hmm. love it for the sheer sake of fan service. Uh yeah. it, it it's a great, great fight scene, though. Great fight mm-hmm. scenes. Yeah. With Sephiroth? Uh, with with all the cast actually, Tifa Tifa fighting in the church. I have strong memories of that being really cool. The the Tifa battle in the church while the ren- the piano rendition of the battle theme is rocking in the background mm. like that rules. Yeah, <laughs> that that movie barely has any plot, and the plot that's there is terrible, but it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and I mean, I remember it being just significantly amazing as a CG product of its, of its time. And it sounds like for the 4K version, do they like even like refine it a bit and update it? It is odd to revisit because it was the pinnacle of what like this is yeah. what the future of CG looks like. But now remake looks better than the oh, movie, okay. which is bizarre. Um, still yeah. looks still looks nice, but remake definitely looks better. Cool. Now that we're like a week out, Nick, how are you feeling about the announcements of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and Crisis Core? Well, it, if it makes, I'm still genuinely super hyped. Uh, I, I've been contemplating rebuying a remake integrate on PC just to pl- I've already played through the game on like PS4 and PS5. I'm like, maybe I should do it again. Why not <laughs> celebrate a little? Why uh, PC specifically? I, just because it's another platform I haven't played it on. Oh, okay. <laughs> just because you're that yeah. big of a fan, yeah. Uh, and I, I am curious to see what it looks like, you know, running at 120 frames a second, because like, wow. you know, on, on PS5, 4K60, it looks gorgeous. Like, it's not going to be that much of a different experience, but just, you know, why not? Maybe I'll, yeah. maybe I'll download some funny mods or something. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody hasn't seen it, I highly recommend watching our post-show breakdown of the Final Fantasy stream last week with Nick on it. He is a font of knowledge on Final Fantasy mm-hmm. VII. And it's really, it was really fun to watch and, and very informative and might answer a bunch of questions you might have about that game. I was watching it too. And when you were talking about Crisis Core, I was just like, man, I forgot a lot about Crisis Core. Yeah, but okay. Nick didn't. <laughs> yeah. I think nothing. about it every day. <laughs> I've never even played Crisis Core. Sam, have you played it? Is it no, a PSP and, game? And I, yeah, I know. And like, I, I couldn't tell how much it looked upgraded just from not having played it, but it looked like totally playable and fun though. So. That's cool. It, it, I always thought it was like a flagship PSP title, not not coming at from like a fanboy perspective. It's just like, yeah. oh, this is the kind of like AAA experience that I think a lot of developers at the time were trying to shoot for, but always mm-hmm. fell painfully short. I think like something like Crisis Core and Peace Walker were great examples mm-hmm. of adapting I love AAA. Peace Walker. Yeah, adapting AAA design for portable, um, like a portable console, it, it's perfect. And I think the thing with um, the reunion, which is what they're calling this remaster for crisis core. Um, The way I always like my favorite kind of remaster is the remaster that presents the game in the way you think you remember it looking like. Sure. And I think, and I think that's what this is doing where it's definitely smooth. A lot of uh, rough edges. Is is this a, is it a prequel story? Yeah, it is a prequel story. Yeah. Completely set before the events of final fantasy seven. You remember Zach from Final Fantasy VII? Well, we were talking about this, I think, on a previous game scoop, and that's like a, a later game reveal, right? Yeah. yeah, it's actually a completely optional thing in the original mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, because I don't remember it from Final Fantasy VII. There's, I don't, there's yeah. a, you can revisit the Shinra Mansion near the beginning of, or at the end of Disc 3, and there's okay. a completely optional cutscene that plays out that gives you all the background info you need about Zach. 
But then they latched onto that and were like, what if we gave this guy his own game and made him super <laughs> important? <laughs> it's the kingdom, it's the beginning of the Kingdom Heartsification of Final Fantasy, mm. where yeah. you need to go to obscure media in order to <laughs> learn the complete story. But the funny the funny thing is, even if you just played Final Fantasy VII, Zach's in it very, very little. But who he is, and especially like his memories, are shockingly important to the entire game. You just don't really know it. Uh, <laughs> It's it's just it's Final Fantasy Seven is bizarre, but I am I'm very excited for Rebirth. Yep. Um, I wasn't sure how I would feel about it, but it's it's very clearly going in the direction of like reimagining slash. I'm not, I don't want to give away the ending of Final Fantasy Seven Remake, but it ends sure. in a way that like is a completely different launching point for the rest of these these next two games than what happened in the rest of Final Fantasy Seven. So. Yep. It, it's very interesting to see where they're going to go with it. And it's an and, um, action combat RPG. Yeah. Yeah. Have you did you well, play Final Fantasy VII Remake? Oh no, no, I'm talking. He's about talking it. about Crisis. Oh, Core. I'm sorry, I jumped off to to <laughs> Remake. Well, um, Crisis Core is actually, um, I, I think, a precursor to what we saw in the combat for Remake. Yeah, where it's I was like going to say it, it looks strategy. similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, I didn't realize that either. You navigate environments, you dodge enemies, but you also have to like do like, oh, I want to choose an item. I need to choose a spell, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. This is Daniel in Portland, Oregon. It says, hello, my friends. I hope the summer season at Goose Camp is off to a great start. I'm writing to today to suggest a discussion topic. I'd love to hear the panel's thoughts on. Is it time to do away with ranked lists of best or favorite games? If you ask someone to rank their favorite texts, a top 10 list that includes novels, novellas, short stories, poems, plays, speeches, articles, non-fiction, etc. I dare say you'd struggle to find a single person who wouldn't treat the request as ludicrous. Yet that's exactly what we do when we treat games as a single category whose contents are easily compared. I personally started thinking of my top 10 long-form narrative games as a much more meaningful category, the game equivalent of my favorite novels. I can tell you why I think Witcher 3 is a better game than Wolfenstein 2, despite the very different genres. But ask me whether Witcher 3, The Sims, or Tetris is a better game, and my brain starts to dribble out my ear. What do you guys think? Is there value for you in a catch-all list uh, for best and favorite games? Do you find it straightforward to compare modern AAA games to classic arcade games and the like? I'm excited to hear Damon's answer to this question. Um, but uh, I can preface it for how we put together a list, and that might shed a little bit of light on on uh, uh, this really, really great thought-provoking topic. Because I, I think mm-hmm. it's a fantastic question, and I could I've been really like I had I was like thinking about it all day yesterday, which is like really cool. So thanks for sending this question. Um, one thing that we do when we are you know, as an editorial team deciding to put together a list, and we do lots of lists. We don't just do the kind of all-in-one. What are the best games of all time lists? Um, we have to always start with what, our, the, what the criteria are for that. So that alone kind of neutralizes what, what you're getting at is that it would be absurd to ask somebody to say, put together the best you know list of any text ever, um, because you would do that by saying, what's, what's the most you know, fun uh, time you can spend with something in a given period of time? Like You have to set some kind of guidelines. And when we set our guidelines for top lists, um, we actually eliminate a lot of games, right? We eliminate games that might be not fun, but influential, for example. And uh, we don't necessarily eliminate things by genre because we are setting a bunch of other constraints. We're setting constraints based on, um, you know, uh, uh, how fun something is, how uh, how much it, it's still fun to play. You know, like it, it, there, there's there's you can read at the start of our articles, uh, you know, what that's about. So when we do that, we're able to safely say, yes, I actually can compare DuckTales to Peace Walker. Like, that's fine. I, you know, we, we actually set ourselves up for success there. Now, hmm. you also have to remember that we're doing this for an audience. And we want an audience to understand why we're ranking those. That's which we're really transparent about that. Now, lots of audiences are going to look for just what you're saying. What's a cool game with a story that I can play? So we're just going to do that list also, right? And we're going to set the similar constraints for that. Well, this game should have, you know, a, a good storyline, and how, what does that mean? And then we define that for everybody. And then I'll add one other thing about a behind the scenes thing that helps with this. Um, one, you said like uh, the writer said. Uh, well, if somebody asked me to compare these two disparate experiences, my my head goes crazy. Well, we solve that by voting. 
<laughs> yeah. And and in, and in the end, you know, what I think is a better game is actually mitigated by what 40 people think is a better game. And it's a really interesting process. And yes, it results in something that's completely subjective. It, it's, it's the product of our staff. And that's why this last time we did the top 100 list, it is so different than when we did it five years ago. Our staff mm-hmm. has changed immensely and the staff picked a completely different list that represents them. So, you know, just take all those things into account uh, when, when you're thinking about practically how we do these lists and why we do them. And then your question is still very interesting. For sure. Yeah, I, I think you put it uh, like very elegantly, Sam. Uh, when Damon presented this question to us, I, I had a little bit of like an introspective moment. I'm like, you know, why, why do we do all of this? Like, one, it, it's because it's fun, right? It's always fun mm-hmm. to compare things that you like and just see. I think there is a, a, some semblance of these are the things that are important to me when I create a list. And by creating this curated list of things I like, I can to some extent share people, uh, like give people insight into my tastes as a human being. And and I think that that's a thing you can still do with like films and novels and and, and basically every piece of media. Now, now I think the, the thing that I'm a little bit hesitant towards is that that kind of qualifier that you presented where, you know, when you say, what are your top 10 games of all time? People can answer that almost effortlessly. But when you do it for novels and movies and stuff, there's a little a little more hesitancy. And I wonder if it's just because of maybe there's just to some extent, like video games are a tip, like, it, I guess a, a, a more uh, newer medium compared to uh, fit like written fiction or nonfiction or, or film. Um, but I think we are starting to get to an era where I think uh, it is going to be a lot more readily uh, e- easier for people to rattle off games uh, like just the, the layman, not people who are listening to Game Scoop podcast, people who just casually like va- video games a lot. So I think they're going to be able to do that in the same way they do films. Now, books, that's trickier. Less people read. <laughs> well, I, he, I think he's adding a little bit of a twist to that, which he's saying um, video games are as different from each other as an article or a speech or a book is. And mm-hmm. so if you said, I'm going to list the top 100 written things, that would be really weird because you'd have a, a scre- screenplay and then a novel and then a magazine article, like something yeah. like that, you know, like the, the uh, mm. a, a, you know, a cave painting or something, you know, like it, it, it's just, it's crazy. And, and, and to lump all games into that wide of a genre and say these are the best games is really difficult. But I wanted to add one other thing, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, capital, I'm taking a lot of this conversation, but I know other people thoughts. I definitely want to hear from you. Um, but uh, uh, I would say also that the, the value of a top game list that covers all genres is to show people that the very best fighting game, if you don't like fighting games, is probably worth your time or the very best real-time strategy game ever made. Well, that's notable. If you're going to try one, you might see it on this list and like think like, oh, I might as well try it. And you can probably be, be assured if like you love Red Dead 2 and God of War and like, you know, Civ, what is it, 6 is like up there with them. It's like maybe give it a whirl. You know, like I think that has that has editorial and cultural value to it. And I think that's really interesting. Still doesn't doesn't uh, change the fact that comparing these very, very different things just because you can play them with a some form of input makes them all similar. It, do, it doesn't, mm. right? Like we, we, we're kind of artificially creating that. Snaps all around. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would say, first of all, I would say, Daniel, his question is, is it time to rethink best of and favorite lists? Not favorites, because your favorite list is just whatever. That can be literally anything. Yeah. Um, Try and stop me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, uh, um, some sort of a, you know, a, a media outlet like IGN, that's, uh, you know, a, a, an authority in the space. It is interesting um, to think of, it, it is true that we treat video games uniquely compared to, you know, written text and even movies, the Oscars uh, award feature films and animated films and short documentaries, but they separate them into different categories. They don't make, you know, a, a, a five minute animated film compete against the godfather or goodfellas mm-hmm. right Top I, so, of the year. I think mm-hmm. i just think it's changed so much because you know ign is 25 years old now roughly half the age of video games in general 
I think it used to be a lot easier to do, you know, to compare games because they they weren't as broad as they are now. Video game was like a big was like a big vertical of you know action games, adventure games, puzzle games, first person shooters, strategy games. That's kind of it. But yeah. today, video games are so broad. There's games of you know literally everything. There's like games like unpacking. There's games, you know, uh, visual novels are super popular right now. There's a whole genre of janky games that are halfway broken that are just for streamers to play for their fans, you know? So it's like, I don't know. It's, it, I think as we, as IGN continues to grow and moves forward and when we create lists like this, it is important for us to sort of keep these things in check and consider these things and consider when we create a top 100 list, what, what's the purpose of this list? It's not for us to stroke our own egos and get our opinion out there. It's supposed to be useful to our audience, you know, for when our audience wants to like, you know, either educate themselves or branch out or find something new to play, want it to be a, a, a resource that's actually useful for people to find new games that they're going to enjoy. Yeah, that's right. So, so when I was younger, uh, like junior high, high school, uh, Rolling Stone magazine released like their, I think it was their first top 500 albums of all time yeah. list. Mm-hmm. And I was like kind of fascinated by that because I, you know, m- most of my musical influences were probably Tony Hawk, Pro Skater, and like, <laughs> Guitar Hero, honestly. And so I decided I wanted to like broaden my horizons. And so I basically listened to, I think I got through like the top 200 That's albums amazing. on that list. Yeah. And I started at number one, which at the time I think was Sgt. Pepper's. And mm. just kind of kept listening. And anytime I just was like bored and didn't have any new music to listen to, I would just go to the next album. And so even though it's pretty slanted towards like 60s, 70s era music, um, it broadened my horizons a lot. I listened to a lot of jazz that was in there that I never would have otherwise, you know? And I think the exact same thing can happen with even a very general list like IGN's top. Uh, is, it, is it 100 or? We have yeah, 100 it's a t- games, it's, right? yeah, it's top 100. Yeah. 100. And so there's a lot of different stuff in there. I, I, I've gone over our top 100 game list a lot and there, there's quite a bit of variety. Again, it, it's maybe a little skewed towards like the classics, but like they're classics for a reason, you know? And so there's just so much in there that I think if someone is curious and wants to broaden their horizons as far as video games are concerned, a list like that is it's super helpful. Um, very I, cool question. Yeah, it is a very cool question. Yeah. We can move on. <laughs> you want to you want to you want to put a little period on it sam <laughs> um no that's okay okay <laughs> we'll get we'll leave it open-ended this is ben from bluffdale utah it says i discovered gamescoop in october of 2018 and you have given me another reason to look forward to fridays ever since tgis i recently decided mm-hmm. it was time for me to upgrade and start looking for a playstation 5 in earnest but I refuse to pay the scalper prices. I just missed getting to buy one last week. I was able to add it to my cart, but was unable to successfully check out. Just a couple of days later, I came across an article online saying that there are rumors that Sony is already working on a PS5 Pro. I personally found this very disheartening. They have yet to meet consumer demand for the PlayStation 5, but are already working on a Pro. What are your thoughts on this? When do you think we can expect to see a PS5 Pro? For those of us that have not been able to get a PS5 yet and are not urgently wanting one, should we wait for the mid-generation refresh? Refresh. What effect, if any, do you think that a PS5 Pro announcement would have on PS5 availability? And do you think the shortage of PS5s and Xbox Series Xs will have any effect on the life cycle of this generation? I feel like we should ring a bell. It's like first person to ask, should I wait for the 0.5 model of the PS5? <laughs> I cannot believe that we're getting this question. I just, I, it was so recent that we were getting this for PS4.5, right? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Well, crazy. So I I looked I was I looked it up and the PS4 Pro came out almost exactly three years after the PS4. There's a zero percent chance that we're getting like a PS5 Pro <laughs> next, next year. year. Like it's yeah. just not happening. Yep. Um, they can't build enough PS5s to satisfy demand, and they probably won't in a year, honestly. And so I think once that demand and supply uh, equation equals out a little bit better, then they might start thinking about doing that. But like, there's there's not even that very many video games that like take advantage of the PS5. Right. Yeah. You know, no, nope, so, no 8K games. Yeah, no, right. What are the 8K games? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like once once we hit a point where it's it feels like oh it's lagging behind PC, we really want to try to push, you know, what this machine can do further. Yeah, sure, maybe in 2024 or maybe even beyond, but I don't see it happening. Soon. So if if you if you want to get a PS5 and you're worried that like it might be outdated soon. 
I wouldn't be worried that it's going to get too soon. Yeah. Remember, like, think about why the PS the PS4 Pro existed in the first place. There were we we had console refreshes before, like we had new models of the NES and the PlayStation Two, but those were to like make the console smaller and make it cheaper to manufacture and maybe make in lower prices. But they weren't more powerful. The whole reason the PS4 Pro existed is because sales of the PS4 has started to taper off. You know, uh, demand was being met, the market was being saturated, and that was a way to get sales to spike up again. We're not anywhere near that point with PlayStation Five. <laughs> Uh, I think the, re- the release of the PS4 Pro also coincided with the proliferation of more and more 4K TVs in consumer mm-hmm. homes. The sure. price for 4K TVs dropped significantly around that time. And that's when we started to see them get more readily adopted by consumers. And so now suddenly your PS4, which can only output 1920 by 1080 starts to look a little bit fuzzy on that brand new giant 4k tv so i think we saw an increased demand to try and well i got this new fancy thing how come my old fancy thing doesn't make it look good what's going on there so there is that demand to how can i you know up res something and granted a lot of that stuff was checkerboard uh, upscaling but it was a start and i think I don't really, to answer the question, I don't think we're going to see a PS5 Pro anytime soon, um, but I'd like to imagine what that looks like. And I think it is, mm-hmm. the the issue I've had with a lot of, again, this is the, the most first world of first world problems. <laughs> but when you boot up Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and it asks you, do you want to play in, you know, uh, f- fidelity mode, performance mode? performance plus ray tracing mode i think that's when we started to lose the the lose the thread for what console gaming is to me console gaming has always made that choice for you you don't let the consumer uh, choose to decide whether or not they want to prioritize frame rates or resolutions granted i'm glad that it exists but the fact that i even have to compromise one part of the experience makes me feel like Maybe it's too early for this console release. That feels like a PC thing. And for consoles, it feels like, you know, it should be 4K60 is the base standard. I know, granted, I am not a developer. That is not a thing that is, it's easier said than done. But that has always been the thing that has kind of irked me about how console games now present uh, video game experiences. I think they should choose for you. I think it should all be, you know, again, easier said than done. But the Spider-Man Insomniac's. Um, you know, performance plus ray tracing mode where you get weaker versions of ray tracing, but it still runs at peak performance, which mm-hmm. is, I think, what a PS5 Pro would do for you in theory is mm-hmm. it gives you the best of both worlds, uh, native 4K resolution, solid 60 frames per second, and no need to compromise on the ray tracing. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. No, I think that's a good point. Yep. Um, we are having to make like you say, some compromises right now. And it would be nice if, if there is like pro version of these consoles to just sort of like take care of all that stuff for us. Mm-hmm. How, uh, many, how many times are you typing in your search bar? Should I play Ratchet yeah. and Clank in performance <laughs> mode of performance 120 frames per second mode or ray trace mode? It sucks that you have to do that initial bit of research instead of just pressing X on start a new game. You know, the first thing you do now is go into the options. Yeah. Sam, any thoughts on a PS5 Pro? I, yeah, I, I, it's not coming anytime soon because uh, for all the reasons mentioned, I mean, like we, if you can't sell a system fast enough and you can't make it fast enough, then you stick with that. What's the point of, of moving beyond it? So like, I, I hope is that that's resolved soon. What, what what could be weird is if, you know, Xbox resolves their supply issues years before PlayStation does and then moves on to a 0.5 model <laughs> because it makes sense yeah. for them. Yeah. You that's know, like true. that's when things get strange because they were synced up really closely. Um, another thing that Nick said that, that, that just kind of made me uh, chuckle to myself is that, uh, you know, when people started adopting 4K televisions, that made it possible to do a 0.5 model and then the new generation. I just think how how awkward it is that Nintendo is always five to seven years behind <laughs> that TV switch. And like yeah. when that was happening with the Wii, it was so disappointing. When it's mm. like everybody mm-hmm. had new TVs by the end of the Wii's life cycle. And then they did the Wii U and barely caught that. It just it was just fuzzy gaming for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's, it, it's, it's interesting to bring up the switch. switch because for years we've been talking about like this switch pro thing. 
And I think it, it, they probably were developing like a sort of, you know, Switch Point Five type console in, a, in some way, shape or form. But genuinely, I think what happened was the pandemic happened and supply constraints happened and their sales were better than ever. Yep, yep. So you don't you don't just stop that yeah. to, to push something new out just right. just to push something new out. I'm almost entirely sure that they saw the numbers and were like, you know, we actually don't need to do this. So they did. Well, I mean, we yeah. know that they that we know that they sit on finished games until they yeah. need yeah. something to release, right? Like they're going to sit on Advance Wars rebooted for maybe until next year, right? Maybe they yeah. maybe they're sitting on a finished console. Nintendo maybe Metroid Prime Four is done. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo is is unique compared, I think, comparatively to the other develop uh, first party developers. In that, I think that they also have one other motivation that maybe Sony and Microsoft doesn't have, which is like they do want to make sure that when they're developing software that that's way advanced, that like the next system can only handle. They kind of do that hand in hand. They talk about how they create a, a console to play a certain game. Now that's come across that's come across a little bit as BS before, um, but you know when it when it shakes out, it's amazing. And why I'm bringing that up is that like it's like if if it became like a parrot to Nintendo that like delaying Breath of the Wild 2 kept on happening because they can't get it to run on the on the current Switch, then like there'll be a Switch 0.5 out. Like that that's that's a reason why it would come out, right? Because it's like a tremendously high selling game. They've put years of development into it and like I I hope the Switch can run it and Nintendo is the one company that I would trust to be able to do that and pull off something amazing <laughs> on the Switch still, right? But yeah. It'd be interesting if that pushed them into doing a point five next year yeah. and delaying it again. <laughs> Should we briefly discuss Obi-Wan? I can. Has everyone finished? I, I watched it. Not I have Nick? zero interest, but feel free. Okay. Are you sure? Oh, you haven't yeah. watched I, it? I have, I have a lot I could talk the, about. For the swords aren't big enough. <laughs> The swords are big enough. Yeah, it's a final oh, fantasy. For, joke. For, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. <clears throat> no one has a Buster sword, so I'm not interested. So wait, Nick, have you watched any of Obi Wan? I've watched the first three episodes, and I think at this point, I'm just maybe I'm just fatigued by all the Star Wars. You're out. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might be out. People are like, "Oh, the finale was so good." I'm like, maybe I'll watch it at some point. But at this point, I think it is. I'm so over the Skywalker saga. Just got a, a vast universe surely except when it comes to lego stories. right surely, yeah exactly surely you can tell a story outside of these like five planets please <laughs> this yeah. movie has the most skywalkers possible in a star wars movie though <laughs> that's true yeah yeah so yeah. the last time so it's it's over now and just in case anyone of our viewers and listeners haven't watched it we'll keep this brief if you want to skip ahead a couple minutes when last time we talked about this with sam i was a little bit more positive on the show now that the dust settled well but i, was, I brought you down you did when i was telling you about the gravel pit you were, there was that and then there was the other episodes with there's just like a lot of you know characters making very i think dumb decisions and then a lot of parts of the show just looking cheap action feeling slow and awkward just yeah. all well, this in our article like, they identified I, I forget which one it was it was either the one that joshua or jesse wrote there's two great recap articles that are kind of explainers yeah. today but, but how, so, how so many people are left to die and don't and like how, how that's yeah. such a, a bad plot point. Mm. Like, yeah don't so that, do that it bothered me in the second knock on solo off the walkway just do it yeah you know it bothered me Come in the on. second to last episode when vader and the inquisitor leave riva alive she and wasn't then, even like, close to dead uh, yeah. And then, in the, you know, I liked the final duel with Obi-Wan and Vader. I thought that was cool. I liked when Vader's mask was half off and you can see. Yeah. Although, Hayden didn't it take the wind there. out of it to find didn't out? You, didn't you before? just say no spoilers? I feel like we're getting real into Oh, no, no. no, yeah, no, no, I, no, no. He, I, said, I, he said, I said, walk skip away ahead. for 15 Oh, okay. I misunderstood. I misunderstood. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can, we can have some, we can, we can talk <laughs> okay, about okay, spoilers okay. While, we're, okay. while we're in here. We're in the safe zone right now. <laughs> so I thought that was cool. But then, like, the smart thing to do for Obi-Wan would have been to kill Vader. I know they can't kill him. I know, but so they, they needed to give a reason why, a good reason why Obi-Wan wouldn't have done that. Yeah. That would have been the best thing for the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. For, I think the problem with so much of the Star Wars content is just that, like, 
they're trying to pigeonhole it into these like tiny open spaces that exist between all of the previously established stories. And it's just like, stop it. Tell something new. There's a whole galaxy out there. Just, just go somewhere else. Leave Tatooine. Stay away from Tatooine. You know, yeah. it's just like, we didn't, I, it, there's moments of this show that I, I liked and I liked sort of the dynamic between Obi-Wan and Vader in particular. And a lot of the Leia stuff I thought was like kind of charming and interesting, mm-hmm. but it's like, there's so many fans that are like upset about like purported plot holes and like just sort of weird cognitive dissonance with trying to make it match up with, you know, a new hope. And it's just like, well, maybe we could just tell new stories with new characters, you know? It's so, it's going to be so disturbing to watch a new hope now and see like Leia barely react to Obi-Wan dying. (laughs) Yeah. She does kind of just run past. Yeah. That's what I thought too. It's so weird. (laughs) <laughs> like it's just it's, it's like this is like her lifelong protector and, and the most important influence in her life and it's just like oh, yeah yeah C- called him because he was yeah, in the clone wars with my father and then yeah <laughs> there's no retconning happening at all for this yeah. and it's it's just it's just weird because like rogue one should kind of have the same problems but it doesn't because it like adds weight to the beginning yeah. of a new hope which this doesn't really do and that really just like, oh, these people like sacrifice their lives to get this started. And then it line, lines up you know, directly into A New Hope. And it's just like, that was awesome. That's an awesome effect. This well, doesn't really do that. Let me say, I couldn't agree more with the just tell a different story. This is a big universe. Stop making it small. Um, however, I do think that the core character of Obi-Wan, and despite it, even though I have a goofy love for the you know, the, the first couple movies and, and, and I know they're bad. I don't like them as much as other people, but I still like, I, I like them enough that like, it was lovely seeing, uh, 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 Ewan McGregor reprise that role that and was be great. part of continuing the star, the most star Warsy star Wars stuff. I think that was what was great about it. But honestly, all the other stuff, book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian stuff kind of diluted that before we got, like, if this is the only thing we got out of star Wars TV, I would be like way more into it, you know, but now that we have examples of like so much other stuff that's similar. And then also I would agree that rogue one does a better job with just everything, including showing like the terror of Darth Vader in his prime. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is like what you want to see when you watch this. But like in this, you you don't see that you see, you see him uh, be a badass in a gravel pit, which doesn't go so well. And then he, for some reason stops using his force powers for no reason when, Obi-Wan's in the fire like that's all goofy and then he loses a fight where you're like well, um, well what am I watching here like why what, 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 what is the point of this I, I had a conversation with uh, my coworker Lauren on the social team she's wonderful we could not have more different opinions on what is good and what is bad about Star Wars but she made a really great point about just everything that like passed the first three movies and maybe even passed the prequels is fan fiction like, it's just high-budget fan fiction made yeah. by people who were not involved in the original movies. So if you just watch it and think of it as, like, high-budget fan fiction, you know what? It's entertaining. I've decided to turn my brain off, stop trying to make everything connect, and just enjoy it for what it is. And you know what? I kind of liked Obi-Wan, even though it has all these issues. Me too. I'm just, I'm just letting my brain kind of go slack yeah. and just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I liked a lot of it as well. I, I'm, probably as much as I didn't like, I liked it. So. I don't Nick, Nick, have we sold you on the last three episodes? <laughs> I mean, what I'm going to do is uh, there's going to be a, a sleepy Sunday where I'm like, well, I got nothing to do. I'm going to take a nap in between episodes and it's going to be fine. You know, don't and kid yourself. maybe that's what I, maybe I'm just reconciling that for, for now. You're just, you're just going to play Final Fantasy seven again. <laughs> I, I, I want to play an actual Star Wars game, which is Final Fantasy seven. There's a guy named, uh, uh, Bigs and wedge in there. That's right. It's true. true. (laughs) Okay. And that brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Tina Amini. (gasps) Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. (laughs) Let the questioning begin. What's the Tina meta? That's difficult. Oh man. Mm. Because you know, was last her like last her episode her last episode it was Final Fantasy X, her favorite game, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't know that Nick's on this episode, so it probably won't be a Final Fantasy. Do you know probably figured out what game we've had three times before <laughs> and picked it a fourth time? 
Maybe maybe because Damon did an Amini game, she's doing a Damie game. Yeah. Is this a Damie game? Yeah. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Was this game originally released on a cartridge? No. Okay. So arcade or disc or download? Is this a PlayStation 2 game? No. Hmm. Is this a, pl- a console exclusive? No. Can you play this game on the Nintendo Switch? No, that's five. Hmm. <laughs> Is this a 3D game? Yes. Okay. Okay, so Damon's not doing the thing where he just answers no for every question. <laughs> Is this a single player only it happened game? once. Is this a single player only game? Yes. Okay. Wait, so what's our year periods right now? Which is not a cartridge. That's all we know for sure. Well, it's and it's not on game. Switch. It's not on Switch. Which we didn't need to ask because it's not a cartridge. Oh, fuck. Oh. That was a half. That was really a joke. It could have come on digitally. So, like. No, you're right. But still, I, I'm, I'm just more upset at myself for the swear than anything at this point. Yeah. Is this from, <laughs> is this from after 2010? Yes. Okay. Okay. 2010 single player. Uh, what was this available on the uh, um, uh, the PS4, Xbox One era of consoles? Yes. Okay. Okay. So we got a new game, single player, single new, player. not a console exclusive. Um, is this a um, horror game? No, that's ten. Okay. Okay, ten. That's not bad. So mm. we can go with, uh, you know, development like it was made in Japan or, or things like that or, or how it was released. We've gone through, I think, most of. So we really only have like genre and that type of thing or company that made it. Those are kind of options we have. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is it an RPG? No. Okay. And let's just... Uh, I'll just remind people that a lot of games today have RPG elements, even though you wouldn't put them in the RPG genre. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's saying he's saying there's skill paths, is what he's saying. Upgrade paths. Yeah. Uh, was this game? Did this game get high marks from critics? Yes. Okay. So it's a beloved Damey game from the PS4 era. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh man. Um I mean is it a shooter? No. For the most random reason my mind went to Jedi Fallen Order, but it's not just gonna specifically be that game. It's just Well, it could be you could ask about licensed games. Is it a licensed game? Yes. Nice. Um, Alright, okay. five questions well to figure this okay. out. Okay. What if it is? JFO. Uh, is this a sci-fi game? No. Okay. <laughs> That's 15. Wow. Okay. 15. Okay. So uh, four questions, then, uh, then we have to ask what game it is. Hmm. So w- there's like the, uh, what, what, what things are getting licenses these days? I mean, could it be like, like Telltale stuff? Like Telltales? Maybe it's like Spider-Man? Spider-Man, but that's only on... That's a console It could be a Marvel game, so I think comic book is... Like Avengers? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, uh, Square Enix Avengers. That's mm-hmm. a really Spider-Man's good one. on PS4? This is on multiple... This is not a console exclusive. Oh, you're right, you're right. Um, should we go with the Marvel attack? Sure. Does this game have superheroes in it? No. Ah, shoot. Oh my god. All right, so it's not superhero. It's not sci-fi. It could be like um, Cobra Kai game or something like that. <laughs> TV. <laughs> I, if it's, um, I mean, knowing Tina, like it could be something funny like that, like a spinoff TV game. Hmm. There's just so few licensed games in that generation. Yeah, there, there's things that are so there's there's cartoons. 
a lot of Nickelodeon mm. type stuff, right? Mm. I the, the, I think you you said Telltale earlier, which makes me think it might be leaning that direction. Game of Thrones, Telltale, for example, that was like with the last one they did, right? I don't think that one would be critically acclaimed, though. But yeah. Walking yeah. Dead or um, Wolf Among Us, maybe? I don't know if we call those PS4 era games. Hmm. Damn. But we can do I, like I I think it's going to be. Well, it's really hard for me to tell right now. We can eliminate Telltale by just asking us to Telltale. Let's do it. Is this a Telltale game? I, I would just like to remind everyone that you did ask if this is a 3D game. You did? Wow. What was the yeah. answer? The answer was yes. Telltale game. So 3D. would you still like to ask if this is a Telltale game? I don't get I mean, what you're saying. Are, are you saying 3D? <laughs> Yeah, you walk around in 3D space, but I think what Damon is getting tripped up on is that they have like cell shaded <laughs> graphics. Okay, well, clearly he doesn't want us to ask to waste the question. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay. Um, man. Yes, four. Well, I guess licensing could also go to like oh, sports uh, games, but that'd be cruel. Batman's. But that's superheroes. Oh, we've, we've limited that. Yeah. Sports, you're right. Um, games based on popular snack snack treats are licensed, like Chester Cheetahs. Snapchat I don't think any of those are critically acclaimed. <laughs> right? Oh, man. Either is Cobra Kai. So, um... Aliens game? That's sci-fi. Was Aliens Isolation? Alien Isolation? It's, it's sci-fi, a, though. That's a horror oh, game, yeah. though. Horror yeah, it's so many, So many things wrong with it. Uh, oh, oh uh, man. this could be like a, a action... What would it be, though? Like, a, if it's a fighty game, action thing, not superhero. Either be that or, uh, but I, I think it could be like a Nickelodeon thing or like a kids' cartoon, you know, like what, like the SpongeBob game or the Nickelodeon crawler game. Good license game, <laughs> but he already mentioned the two the three D graphics, so that's another mm-hmm. problem with that. Uh, I don't know where to go with this. Um, do you think it could be a fantasy license? Can we think of any fantasy? Wild West? Can you think of anything with that? Um, there's Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings two games. Good Lord of the Rings games in that generation. There's Shadow of Mordor. So that, that could be it. Should we go mm. down that route? Yeah. Uh, maybe, Sam, if you want to frame that in a way that's a catch well, How about this? Is, is this a fantasy game? Yes. Okay. Um, Licensed fantasy. How many do I think we have it has three? to be Lord of the Rings. I think you hit the nail on the head. Is this a WB yeah. game? Yes. Okay, so now Shadow we have to determine Mordor. if it's which which of the two. Well, Shadow of Mordor, uh, Shadow of Mordor is the first one, and Shadow of War was on Xbox One X. No, no wait. Xbox I think you're one. right. I think those are different. Regardless, but should we just ask if it has Mordor in the title? <laughs> well, but then we don't have enough to. Oh, is that how it works? Yeah, because Shadow of War is the second one. I don't. We, we generally don't ask about the title, unfortunately. I think, um, like, does it have an M in it? We could, we could ask if it's the first or the second game. Yeah, that's fine. Is this the first or the second game? No, no, we have to ask a yes or no question. Oh, that's right. That's right. Is this the first game of its yes, name? <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. Who wants to do the honors? You want to do it, Colin? So, so we're, we're, we're sure it's Shadow of War? No, Mordor. Mordor, Mordor. Is, the Mordor is the first one. Okay. Is this Lord of the Rings Shadow of Mordor. 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 <laughs> yeah, the full title is actually Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, well done. done. Colin. 20 questions. Oh, man. 20 questions on the 20th question. Remember, remember, Sam, Tina likes her meta, and this is in honor yeah. of the, the photos ah. from the new show. That's mm. right. Yeah. Those, right. Really, those really popped up for us. Those yeah. were awesome. I, I they really that, were. that. Cool. that Gave me a little bit of a hope about the show. I mean, New Zealand and orcs look like they're from Weta. Like, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Nicely job. Got there in the end. Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Good game. 2014, and it straddled uh, console generation. So it was on both 360 ah. and Xbox One, mm-hmm. PS3, PS, PS4. I played that recently. Good game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, didn't live up to, I think, expanding on... Well, sorry. The first, the second one didn't live up to expanding on the first one as much as I think it could, but I, I have big hopes for that game in the future series. Mm-hmm. Same. Well, and the, talk the whole, talk the about the fan whole, fiction, though. Man. Yeah. 
that's, that's just <laughs> they're just going nuts well, with now, the Lord now, of the Rings. The Nemesis system is going to go to Wonder Woman, right? Well, I mean, I, that's cool. it's not confirmed, but it's they're not they're confirmed. making Wonder Woman now. I would Same. I would very oh. much love to see the Nemesis system return. Yeah. Yeah, Gina right. Because there was like yeah. <laughs> trademarks and stuff for that that system, right? That was the idea is that yeah. it could be implemented mm-hmm. another way. So mm-hmm. yeah. that'd be amazing in Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, remember, viewers and listeners, you can, if you have your own suggestions for 20 questions, email them to me at gamescoop at IGN.com. That is all the scoops we have for you this week. I actually forgot to mention at the top of the show that we're gonna be off next week. All the uh, Omega Cops are going to be on vacation. So we're taking a, just a short week off, but we'll be back in two weeks with more of the hot scoops that you love to just pour right into your ears. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Nick. Thank you to Alan working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Scoop. We're out. We'll see you in two weeks. Chase my dreams, but I just can't see.